Support for Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio is made possible by M&M Printing and the Observer News of Ruskin. Hello and welcome to Veterans Corner Radio Podcast, information for and about veterans. Monica Mohindra, Director of the Library of Congress Veterans History Project, is Bill's guest for this edition of the podcast. Director Mohindra shared with Bill how she and her team are collecting stories from veterans on all aspects of their service. Bill thought this program really was pointed to the combat soldier and aimed at wartime experiences. Certainly, those stories are important, hearing the tales of the people in the mess tent, the supply room, or the hospitals. But how we felt when we left home for the first time, went through basic training and headed to our military assignments are important as well. You'll discover how you can have your voice recorded in the Library of Congress for all posterity. Here now is Bill Hodges with Veterans Corner Radio on Veterans Corner Radio Podcast. Welcome to Veterans Corner, a show dedicated to providing information to all those who have served our country's military and to their families. Now, here is your host, newspaper columnist, management trainer, and Air Force veteran, Bill Hodges. Hi, I am Bill Hodges, and this is Veterans Corner Radio. Today, I have with us Monica Mohindra, Director, Library of Congress, Veterans History Project and a lovely lady who has got a lot of information for us. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Bill, for having me. I just think that your project is one that has touched me for a lot of years. Let's go back and explain to people what the Veterans History Project is. Well, I'll start with your project. I, it's so kind of you to say that, but it is our project. The Veterans History Project was started over 20 years ago through unanimous legislation of Congress and then passed into law by then President Bill Clinton. If you cast your mind back to October of 2000, you might remember a national preoccupation with World War II. At the time that it was started, the idea was to engage in these conversations with our World War II veterans on a person-by-person basis. So the legislation started with the idea of individuals working with the veterans in their lives and communities to capture their first person remembrances of their time in World War II. And in fact, it was the World War II oral history project. Oh, really? And it changed very quickly when it became law to the veterans oral history project. And then finally, the veterans history project. And that is because in addition to encouraging individuals from Guam to Maine, from Puerto Rico to Alaska, to sit down with the veterans in their lives and communities who served for the U.S. from World War I now through the more recent conflicts, to gather that first-person remembrance through an oral history-style interview, we also take the first person remembrances, that documentation of that first person narrative through collections of original 
letters, photographs, diaries, journals, that sort of thing that helps to build that narrative arc. So it is our project together, now over 115,000 individual stories strong, so that we all on a person by person basis understand the story of the United States in conflict and service all the better. What kind of stories are you looking for? All of them. We want the stories of those who served from World War I through the recent conflicts. Now, Bill, I can understand that you might wrinkle your eyebrows, World War I. And the truth is, particularly following the pandemic, we've noticed an uptick in questions from folks who are finding these World War I personal narratives in their attics. Oh, their Visits, their garages, and in some diaries, cases, things of that nature. Exactly. Collections of letters, collections of photographs, diaries. And at this point, the generational gap has been such that maybe they didn't actually know that person when they were alive. And this is a wonderful way to ensure that their memory is not lost to ephemera, but in fact, kept and preserved for our entire national benefit for posterity. So that takes care of World War I. And then through the recent conflicts with veterans who are willing to talk about their service, even in times of peace, we are interested in the fullness of the story, not just those who served, as they say, at the tip of the spear, not just those who are at the front of the battle, but we need to understand that personal scale, the human relationship with conflict, from every aspect of service. The kitchen, the desk, you know, logistics, supplies, we need it all. We're interested in all of those stories. And I would be remiss if I didn't say there were some stories that we are trying to ensure we have full representation of. That full representation includes any kind of slice you can think of. We need more stories of women. We need more stories of those who served, who are Native American, indigenous to the United States, including Alaskan and Hawaiian. We need more stories of those who have minority backgrounds and perspectives, whatever that may be, including duty. We are really looking for that full spectrum. So chaplains, for instance, we want chaplains. We want any kind of service you can think of that is for the U.S. military. I hope that answers your question. Well, kind of, sort of. I am what's called a Cold War warrior. I came in after Korea and was out just before Vietnam. And I I flew around on B-52s day in, day out, sometimes as many as 27 hours. And, you know, <laughs> nothing really, well, other than a wig, uh, a MiG coming in and flying on our wing, or something, and we waved at them. We didn't throw anything. And then the Cuban Missile Crisis, of course, but there was no combat role at all for us at that point. I questioned going down and telling that story because there's really, I'm not sure who'd care. It's interesting that you phrase it that way. One of the things that I'm so privileged to see here is the value of oral history. And oral history and understanding that first-person narrative of individuals, you don't go to a library, whether you're just an, an interested citizen trying to understand more about your family or 
your location's history, whether you're that level of user of our collections or you're an academic, you never served one oral history. Oral history's value is in the 360 perspective that it shares and in the multiplicity of stories that we're able to gain and perspectives we're able to gain from working with first-person documentation. So imagine a researcher who's trying to understand what it felt like for you to serve in that very different yet crucial time period between these two major areas of hot conflict. You will have perspectives that will be of interest to a researcher. Our collections are used for the widest variety of things, things I can't even imagine. Choreographers came to the Library of Congress and went through our collections relating to those who served during the Nuremberg trials. So lawyers and clerks and administrative people, they didn't see a lick of combat necessarily. They were specifically interested in their legal experience. They then turned that into a ballet for which they were commissioned to commemorate the Nuremberg trial so that we would all understand in a multiple different ways the impact of this historic moment. And now that choreography is back here at the Library of Congress. And so you never know when a story is going to have an impact, not just for academic purpose, but for all of us. Or maybe fill a hole. Exactly. In somebody's research. The fact that you were a clerk doing this and that at a particular time might have some little piece that you say, well, I guess it really doesn't matter. But uh, I was there when little boy was sent out of to battle, you know. Exactly. You have a perspective on that that somebody is going to be interested in. Yeah, we knew it was big. We didn't have any idea what it was from what a, one of the fellows that told me about it. Even that little nugget of information is useful. You know, now I think about it, I, I'm, you're starting to change my view of what I'm thinking of these interviews. I'm thinking of the guy that gets stuck into Vietnam and, and all the things that went wrong and the problems with he had as he came home. These are all pretty serious issues. But as I've said so many times, everybody that served, served. I mean, it, it may, may sound like silly, but the fact is you were there. You put your life on the line as soon as you signed the paper and you took an oath that nobody ever told me I was able to get rid of. I still carry that same oath. So I think it's probably, maybe we don't think of ourselves in the way that a researcher might or someone else listening. We don't, and particularly veterans. So often we hear from Sally who says, no, I didn't really do anything. It was really Nancy or it was my brother Bill who was on the front lines. Sally, Nancy, and Bill all have important things to share with us. And veterans in general are very slow to raise their hand and say, oh, I have something worth sharing. You, you need to hear my story. So often they want to throw the light on somebody else. But the truth is that it is all of these stories put together that really help us 
understand our collective history from a personal scale. And we see it time and again. I had an extraordinary opportunity about 15 years ago to witness a bunch of students come in and they wanted to see, you know, the materials that we had. And everyone was really hungry and ready for lunch until we brought out the photographs. We don't often get to do this, but for special tours, we can. Till we brought out the photographs and the things that they, the letters, and they could very carefully with the archivists around, look at them and pick them up and have this sense of, this is closer to my life than I realized. This looks like where my Aunt Millie was was stationed. This looks like what my Uncle Buck did. You know, there's this sense of connectivity that is engendered by having the fullness of all of the stories. And that connectivity extends to us individually, but also to our shared history. So basically, everybody, regardless of your story, duty station, what you know, should be going in and telling their story. Now, where do they go to tell their story? That's a fantastic question. They go to a trusted community member or a loved one if they are a veteran themselves. Interviews happen with those who are age 15 and above. You can go to a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a neighbor, anyone you trust to help you pull this together. On our website, which I'm about to give, www.loc dot g-o-v forward slash vets as in short for veterans so i'll do that again it's the library of congress dot government forward slash vets www dot l-o-c dot g-o-v forward slash vets v-e-t-s on that website you'll find a short video which explains the whole process if you'd rather do a memoir rather than an interview if you'd rather contribute photographs and letters to start hear me say to start once you begin your collection meeting a minimum standard for archival purposes at the library of congress veterans history project you can keep adding to it maybe this month you've got 10 letters you'd like to contribute and then in six months, you you figure out you've got some photographs you'd like to contribute. And then once you've done that, you think, okay, I, I'm going to sit down with my neighbor and I'm going to have this conversation. Then you can contribute that. So once you start in any one of the minimum buckets, you have started your collection and it remains open and it will be available for posterity. You know, that it sounds so exciting. And I hope that more and more of the vets will do it. I know that you work with Gold Star families also. We do. That is a slightly different process out of respect to the challenge of their experience. We have specific protocols for that that you'll also be able to find through our website. And the idea there is to make sure that we are working with those families in the most respectful capacity possible. There was an amendment to our legislation made in 2016 called the Gold Star Family Voices Act. If folks are interested in participating under those auspices, I'd encourage them to reach out to us. We would love to help them with that. 
we only got about a minute. I know you have some programs you wanted to talk about. We have every year an array and a slate of public programs. And every year we're more and more able to show these programs on our website. So I would recommend going. We have wonderful panel discussions, films, anything you can think of that's a a topic of interest from agriculture and veterans and how that works to women veterans and particular celebrations and constraints and challenges related to their service. Please do go check out our website and get in touch also with our just huge array of live programming. It's exciting to watch you and our viewers can't see you, but I can. It's exciting to see how interested and excited you are in this program. Thank you. It's dear to my heart. It really is. This is not just a job for you. No, sir. Well, we'll just have to have you back. There's so many more things we'd like to talk about. I'd love that. Maybe we could highlight a veteran story or two that you might be interested in. We may be able to do that. My guest today is Monica Mohindra, Director, Library of Congress, Veterans History Project. And as she says, it's our project. Get involved. Go to the website. Send me an email. Obviously, you get the information if that's what you need. Ladies and gentlemen, you're unique, you're special, and you're great. Tell yourself so often because you are, you know. And we'll talk to you again very soon on Veterans Corner Radio. You've been listening to Veterans Corner with your host, Air Force veteran Bill Hodges. The views expressed on this program are those of Bill and his guests and are opinions based on the best available information. In matters of law or governmental regulation, it will always be best to check with the appropriate agency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next Veterans Corner. Before we go, here's a quick final thought. Why not take a minute to follow or mark Veterans Corner Radio podcasts as a favorite? It's easy, and you'll be among the first to be notified when new episodes of the podcast are released. And thanks for listening to Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts.